Well, good morning and welcome to Faith Church. Glad you're in the room and online. Uh, so glad to have you on a nice, brisk fall morning. It's good, it's good. Hey, if we haven't met, my name's Matthew. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to open Scripture and to take the next few minutes and study some of God's Word. So if you have a copy of the Bible, join me in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. If you've got one of our uh, Fresh Start Bibles uh, that, that we give out, they're available out in the lobby, but uh, we're on page 959. If you want to follow digitally, you can do that up on the screen as well. Uh, Acts chapter 9, we've been walking through the book of Acts looking at what does it mean to become and be the radiant people of God. What does this look like? When Jesus left the earth, he gave a mission to his church. And we kind of talk about this mission that the church is on in these terms, that we're called to be the radiant people of God. And we've kind of been journeying through this, and we've made our way to Acts 9, and we're going to start in verse 32. This is what the word says. It says, Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place, and he came to a he came down to visit the believers in the town of Lydia. There he met a man named Aeneas who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydia and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around and they turned to the Lord. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. I would go by Tabitha too. <laughs> she was always, listen to this, she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and then died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydia, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, he took, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing uh, him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and he prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented her to them alive. The news spread through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon the Tanner of Hides. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Hey, let's pray. Jesus, you're still on the move and working through your church. Help us to become proper reflections of your light and life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Radiant people 
reflect the light of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the the heartbeat of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the, the joy and the delight of Jesus, and the will of Jesus. The, the power that Jesus walked in. The radiant people of God reflect the light of Jesus. And what we see in today's text is Peter was indeed reflecting that very life, reflecting that very light, the, the things that came into the world to expose darkness and remove the symptoms of the decay of the world in which they were living and we are living. Peter demonstrated the same things Jesus demonstrated. Peter was demonstrating and living the very things that he saw Jesus doing. He he was living like Jesus, which is what a disciple would do. As disciples of Christ, we ourselves want to, to learn from the ways of Jesus and replicate the ways of Jesus in the world in which we live. In fact, if you, you look at Mark chapter 2 or Luke chapter 5, uh, specifically verse 17 through 26, you'll see Jesus going and healing a person who had been lame for a long time, telling him to get up, take his mat, and walk. Peter was doing that which he had seen Jesus do. In fact, in, in Luke chapter 8, verse 49 through 56, and Mark 5, 35 through 43, the, the parallel passage, you'll see Jesus walking into a room where there were mourners crying and weeping because a young girl had died. Jesus walks into the room, kicks everybody out, and calls life back into the body of this lifeless child. Peter was doing and mirroring and reflecting what he saw Jesus do. In fact, much of the book of Acts is about the early church living and demonstrating and embodying an allegiance to Jesus, living like Jesus. Why? Because radiant people reflect the light of Christ. Radiant people are ambassadors for Jesus and his kingdom. Now, today I'm going to do a little bit, it might feel a little bit more like I'm teaching you some things as we get rolling through here. More than maybe I'm preaching and getting all worked up and all the things that tend to happen when I'm up here. I want us to walk with some understanding today, but I'm wanting us to walk with some tender compassion of Jesus today too. I'm wanting us to see some things in Scripture. And one of the things I want us to understand is that the radiant people of God are are asked and commissioned by Jesus to be ambassadors for Jesus and his kingdom. An ambassador is somebody who has delegated authority and power of the one and the entity and the domain or the kingdom or the nation to which they are sent by, commissioned by. Jesus has delegated and given you and I as followers of him his authority. He's given us his name, a name that is above every name. And at that name, Paul says, every knee will bow and every tongue confess of those on earth, of those under the earth, and those over the earth. Every name and being in the cosmos must recognize the name of Jesus. It is the most authoritative name. And so that's why Peter says, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and walk on. 
And it occurred. Why? Because there is power in the name of Jesus. An ambassador carries the authority of the one who sent them. Let let me show you this scripturally. Can I do that? I'm not making this up. It's scriptural truths that we hold to. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 through 21. This isn't going to be on the screen or in your notes. This is just bonus material. All of this is a gift. Somebody say gift. We're going to come back to that word in a minute. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. What task? Of reconciling people back to himself. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation too. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Do we see that in the scripture? We good with that? We are radiant people of God, are his ambassadors in our world. We see that scripturally? Can we agree on that one? Yes and yes? Okay, very good. I'm just making sure you're alive. I know it's a little chilly. You're all bundled up, but here we go. God is making his appeal through... Us. God is making his appeal to the world around you. Through the ambassadors who are representing his kingdom. On the job. While they're fixing tractors. While they're teaching children. While they're being nurses and doctors. While they're selling cars. While they're making business deals. While they're caring in nursing homes. While they're making food uh, for others. While they're stay-at-home moms uh, working in the home for their family. It is that we are his ambassadors bringing about his life and his kingdom. Working to reconcile people to him that God is working through us. And we speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 19 says it like this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given, I have been given all authority in heaven and on the earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, 15 through 18, another time when Jesus is commissioning and sending out his disciples. It's Mark's recollection of this moment, and he says it like this, and then Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be made whole or saved, rescued and redeemed. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. Pause. Have we seen these things play out in the book of Acts thus far through nine chapters? Yes or yes? It's an open book test. If you need to go back and read it, you are welcome to go back and see these things for yourselves. They will be able to handle snakes with safety and they will drink anything poisonous and it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Now, 
before any of you get super nervous and are checking the stage for a basket with a lid on it and wondering if there's about to be a snake that's rolling out. No, there's not. Uh, let, let me articulate some things that Jesus is saying and help us understand what Jesus is not saying for just a minute. Can, can I do that? Many people under the guise or title, quote-unquote, Pentecostalism, have taken this verse out of context, thinking it gave them license to use the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to entertain the believer, proving that they have some power or prowess. They are in error. The power of the Holy Spirit is for ministry, not our entertainment. Jesus is using languages of snakes and scorpion and poison to reference the domain of the evil one. He's talking metaphorically about the wild and waste and uninhabited space of the non-creation or decreation reality. The, the wilderness where, where the wild beasts and scorpions and snakes in the domain in which God is not but the enemy is at work. These, these spaces of temptation, these spaces of evil, these spaces where, where the enemy is at work decreating God's good creation. He's speaking metaphorically in this way. And the chief aim of the enemy and of the evil forces in our world is to decreate the good that God originally intended. Did Jesus not say that he came, the thief came only to steal, kill, and destroy in our world? To create decreation, to, to reverse the created order to which God had established. This is what it is. In fact, sickness and disease is a non-Edenic occurrence. It's something contrary to Eden, contrary to the way God originally intended the world to be. And when sin and evil and deception crept in like a snake, deceiving us and leading us to act in a rebellious way against the ways of God, we began to see from the very beginning of the story of God that God's good created world began to deteriorate and rip apart and fragment and evil began to pop its ugly head up in every corner and space and place. And we as the people of God are looking forward to the day when Jesus returns and Eden is restored. Eden in the sense of the place where God dwells, overlapping with the place where humanity is dwelling, where God can be with his people and the people can be with their God. And there will be like a tree of life where they can take of its fruit and eat of its leaves and it will bring healing to the nations. Go read it, Revelation 21 and 22, if you would like. There is a renewal of this world that God is after, which is what Jesus came to announce. The kingdom, the abiding place of God is now at hand. The kingdom is here now and near you. And Jesus, its king, showed up to begin to establish the renewal of all things. And so when people are sick and ill and infirmed, it's a reality of the existence of decreation evil in our world. Breaking apart that which God had intended to be good. Jesus lived the ultimate radiant life. And he invites us to imitate that. Jesus was fully God and fully man. 
Jesus was fully God, fully man, and he never stopped being God at any point in his earthly life. His humanity was our example. And in his humanity, he yielded to the work and the power and leaned into the power of the partnership that comes with the person of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what happened? It's Luke chapter 4, Mark chapter 1, Matthew chapter 4. Jesus went down to the river, was baptized in the water, and when he came up out of the water, what happens? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, fully God, but in his fully human part, recognized and demonstrated for you and me what it looks like to be in partnership with the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that now lives inside of you. The same Holy Spirit that he says, don't depart Jerusalem in Acts 1 until you receive the Holy Spirit, the gift that I want to send you to empower you to be about the ministry of an ambassador bringing the power and kingdom and authority of Jesus everywhere you go. Are we tracking? This is what Jesus has sent and brought us to do. Now, please don't get it twisted. Jesus had a unique relationship with the Holy Spirit. Right? Like, it's not the same exact relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit, partly because he was perfect and you're not. Uh, He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. You were conceived of your bio daddy semen. That's not the same thing, friends. Like there is a difference here. But you need the Holy Spirit. And Jesus modeled what that partnership looked like for you and me. Jesus went about doing good and healing those who were being oppressed by the decreation reality in our world. And Jesus commissioned you and I to go and be like that in the world. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the full benefit package of the person of the Holy Spirit in its fullness living in you. You received the gift, the one gift you and I need, and it's the Holy Spirit. And it shows up in our lives in a manifold different way, in many different forms and facets and realities. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 11, it, it articulates, Paul, the apostle, would articulate nine gifts or nine expressions, nine manifestations, nine, nine, nine realities of the work of the Holy Spirit, not in a person, but rather through a person to benefit fit another person because that's what ambassadors do we go and we minister to people we go and reconcile people to God we we recognize that we are conduits of the ministry in the life of Jesus to impact the world around us I think I've got some time let me read first Corinthians 12 4, 4 through 11 you just kind of jot it in your notes and you can go read it uh, on, on your own this week it says this there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same spirit is the source somebody say source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A a spiritual gift is, is given to each of us so we can help each other. It goes on to list all the different nine gifts of the Spirit, and then it reminds you that at the very end of this section, in verse 11, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gifts each person should utilize, should have. Now, 
there's some conversation where uh, there are some people who believe that um, you possess a certain gift of the Spirit. Like you, you have the, the gift of healing or the gift of prophecy and the gift of this. And, and um, I, I have a slight distinction in that in my own perspective as, as I read the Scripture and kind of hold to some things. I think you have one gift. His name is Holy Spirit. And based on your stewardship, your fidelity, your spiritual maturity, your life of purity and devotion and, and being a vessel of honor ready for good use, being in the right place at the right time for the right reasons, for the right people, the Holy Spirit could bring up and say, hey, here's this gift that I have, this element of who I am in my nature. I want you to distribute it to this person because they have a need. So maybe it's a word of encouragement that's prophetic to somebody. Maybe it's laying hands on them and seeing a healing. Maybe it's a moment where a miracle is absolutely necessary for God and his glory and his kingdom, and it shows up in that moment. And sometimes it's a word of knowledge, and sometimes it's a, it's a word of wisdom where God's given you some divine understanding and insight to solutions that people have problems to. And it's all different at different moments in time to build up and courage to strengthen the family and the body of God because the kingdom of God is... Is advancing and his ambassadors carry the authority and the power of the Spirit in them to bring ministry where there is decreation to recreate the renewal of all things in the kingdom of God in that person's life. And we have one gift it's the Holy Spirit. And it's an operation in all of us. And there are moments where people in the body need that. And there are moments where people who are outside the family of God need that. Did you notice in today's text, there was one man, it specifically said he had been lame for eight years. And the text leads us to believe that he was not yet a follower of Jesus. And when he got healed, everyone around him who obviously was, was a heathen too, decided to turn to the Lord. But then in the second story, here was a woman who was faithful, generous. She made beautiful clothing for women and adored them and, and made them feel wonderful and radiant. Here was this, this woman uh, who had an awful name. Thankfully, they called her Tabitha. <laughs> who loved God, was a good believer, generous in all things, a good person, and gets sick and dies. Just because, hear me friends, we are following Jesus and belong to the family of God doesn't make us immune to the decreation evil that exists in our world. The psalmist says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. We all are going to experience the unraveling because of evil still seated in our world until Jesus returns and removes every trace, hint, evil, and root of evil in the world. And so we look forward to his return, and we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Friends, God is still at work in this world through his radiant people. There, there would be some... That would maybe say that the work of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the miracles and tongues and um, all of these nine gifts of the Spirit, that those, those really aren't active today. Like miracles, signs, wonders, those signs that accompany the believers, that doesn't really occur today and that there is a, a cessation of the gifts of the Spirit. And I would just say I, I, I disagree 
with all honor and love and humility that I can until I know there are many people who love Jesus who think this and act this way and, and abide by that. I, I would just offer one logical thought. Have the fruit of the Spirit ceased to be needed in our world? How about salvation? Do, do we only get like adoption but not justification? Uh, we only get sanctification but not the righteousness. Do we, we only get a part of the work of the Spirit in salvation in our lives? Well, no. Well, then why would certain things of the Spirit stop entirely? Well, because we become so much more refined. Have we, though? Are people still getting sick and dying? People still getting oppressed with anxiety and depression and people feeling tormented to the point where they want to take their own life? Do, do we still experience the decay? Yeah. What began the church age, friends, hear me, is still in operation because we're still in the church age. And we will remain in this dispensation of time until Jesus returns and renews all things. That is where we are anxiously waiting for him. And that's why Paul would write in Romans 8, 11, it says, For it is by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit that lives in you, that is working to save you, that is working to renew you, that is working to empower you, that is working to give you fruit, that is helping you overcome sin, that is helping you move beyond where you were to the, to the life and the form of God, that is at work to install the code of Jesus so that you become more radiant than you are radioactive. He says in Romans 8, 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal, decaying, dying, sin-ridden, sickness-susceptible um, bodies. Friends, God is still at work. God is still at work. Because all creation has not been renewed, so he's still at work. His kingdom is still moving forward through his radiant people who are ambassadors, recognizing I've been delegated the power of heaven. So if I forgive sins, sins are forgiven. And if I lay hands on someone, I can, I can believe that the healing power of Jesus is available to heal them. Friends, I want you to know I believe God still heals. The question is, well, how does, how does healing come? Well, let me just give you five ways I think healing shows up in our world, the, the way healing occurs in our life and our time. No, number one, God heals naturally. Your, your body can naturally heal itself of many things. Drinking water, eating healthy, and getting good sleep will do wonders for your physical body. Stress, anxiety, worry will do disastrous things to your body. There are natural things where our body heals naturally. Number two, I think God heals medically. Well, that's medicine. Or it was the wisdom of God and the realities of how God created our world. And in that wisdom, people discovered insights and learned some things and put some things of elements that God had already created this and this and this to work together to help heal your body. That's right. 
I believe God heals, heals medically. It, it, meaning, it is not anti-faith to go to the doctor or get medicine or get treatment. It's not an act of not having faith to do those things. I believe God heals medically. I, I believe God heals progressively. As we go, believing in Jesus as our healer, healing comes. Um, several, several years ago, um, I had a severe issue in my left hand of, of major swelling. There was something in my arm, shoulder, something that was causing it. In fact, my, my finger, thumb and pointer finger, and sometimes my middle finger, would be uh, three times thicker than they are right now. I don't know if you can see that. And it was like just like, poof. And it, at that time, I was doing a lot of leading worship and playing the guitar. I know none of you have ever witnessed that, and, and you're welcome. Um, so, 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 but I used to play the guitar and, and lead worship a lot, and it was incredibly painful just to worship and lead, lead people into the presence of God. And every time I got up to play, it was just painful, and I was trusted God that this would go away. And I believe that there was moments of, of, of space where I began to pray and ask God to do something. And over time, in the course of a year or two, it, has, it, it subsided and I saw the healing of God appear in my life. It wasn't instantly. It wasn't miraculously. It wasn't even just medically, but it was progressively. Yes. And God heals that way. I believe God heals miraculously. In an instant, in a moment, I could tell you stories of, uh, on missions uh, where, where withered hands become stretched out and whole. Eyes blind, opened. People in wheelchairs standing up and walking. I could tell you stories of people in our church who... Uh, often, uh, during our time of ministry, transition between worship to, to the Word, where, uh, several months ago now even, uh, where I would be, be up here and, and the Lord would uh, use, um, there would be a gift of, of a word of knowledge, is what First Corinthians would, would say, where I would have a picture in my mind and I just had this understanding or knowledge that there's, I would see pictures, here's how it worked, I would see pictures of certain uh, parts or realities of our body. I remember seeing like a foot and an ankle, and I just began to pray, Lord, I, I thank you that, that somebody, ankle, Lord, you're starting to heal ankles today, and you're healing our foots and all these things. And I would just pray out these pictures that I would see. Come to find out a couple of weeks later, somebody was sitting, and he would be like, no, that was actually my foot. It's been incredibly painful. But immediately I felt like the sensation hit my foot, and I really have been in almost no pain since then. And it progressively and instantaneously began to be healed. Why? Because Jesus still heals miraculously. Still does. It's what he does. He also heals eternally. He heals eternally. And by that I mean when Jesus returns, all things are made new and there is healing in the nations. And anything that would be an act of stealing, killing, and destroying the goodness and the good creation and created order of God is reversed and renewed because of the arrival of the fullness of the kingdom of God. There is healing that comes eternally. Now, when I say healing, I also want us to understand this, that healing is a whole person reality, spirit, soul, and body. 
whole person, like all of who you are, God longs to make whole and make well. In fact, uh, many of the words in the Greek where we would see the word heal, healing, or healed are words that aren't just physical in nature, but refer to the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. First Peter chapter 2, 24 says, uh, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right, and by his wounds we are healed. And that word healed in Second Peter 2 is a word that means made whole. God wants to mend your broken heart just like he wants to mend your broken arm. God wants to mend your tormented mind just like he wants to heal your ailing back. God wants to heal your spirit that is overrun with sin and evil and wants to bring the life of Christ into your spirit just like he wants to help ease the tension in your neck. He heals. It, it means to make whole. In fact, their word for peace in the, the, the Greek is the same word that we would say. We would say peace, but they would mean whole being at ease. In other words, healed, whole, made well. Third uh, John 2, I love one of the, my favorite verses. It says this, Beloved, I pray that it may all go well with you, your whole being, and that you would be in good health as it goes well with your soul. There is a link between our soul, our physical bodies, and our spirits. Why? Because you aren't split up into three parts. You are a whole being, a whole person, and all of those components that we use to talk about the variations of who we are, it's still you, and God wants to make you whole. Healing is a whole person reality. Can I give you this definition real quick on healing? I believe healing is God doing what is needed for his glory. That's what healing is. When we think about healing, I want us to think about God doing what is necessary, what is needed in the moment for his glory. Because he wants to make you whole, spirit, soul, and body. John chapter 9, Jesus was walking along and the disciples came up on a man who had been born blind and the disciples asked the question, God, who sinned here? Was it this man who sinned or his parents who sinned that caused this, this decreated reality, this deformity of life that is not intended the way you created it in the Eden? How is it that he is blind? Who sinned here? And Jesus is like, y'all are asking the wrong questions. That's the wrong question. And we're really good at asking the wrong questions. Because we want to understand certain things and God wants us to show us other things. We're asking for why, and God wants you to see him. And Jesus responds to them, this didn't happen because of this and this. What you're missing is that this is an opportunity for the glory of God to be seen. And then he hawks a huge loogie into the dirt, puts it on the dude's eyes, and his eyes were opened. Talk about awkward. We're going to have a healing line, friends, but we're going to go outside first. Right? Like, that would just be... Like, I'm glad he said we can just use oil from here on out. Like, I'm good with, good with that. All right, like, in John 11, Jesus had heard about Lazarus being sick and dead, and, and Lazarus was dead. It was his friend. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened. Don't miss this. For the glory of God. Any work of Jesus 
through his people, operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, hear me, is for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. Not to platform someone, not to platform a ministry, not to, to sell more books, not to create buzz and excitement. It's for the glory of God. You know what God is after in your life? In the highs and the lows of your life? His glory being seen. The, the radiance of Christ growing in you and me. That's what God's after. In all things. In all things. Friends, there is a right time to ask why, why did this sickness show up? And there is a wrong time to ask that question. When someone is sick and is continually asking for prayer, I'm not sure it's still the right time yet. We have a tendency to ask questions and try to give our reasonings for things that really aren't helpful. Like, like as bless our hearts, we say some of the most insensitive things when people are walking through tragedy. Because we don't really know what else to do. Can I, can I really believe that in all things we want to point to the goodness of Jesus and we want to pray that his love would be manifest in whatever situation people are in? When people are expressing a frustration or they're angst or they're sick or something's ongoing or someone dies, can we just be people who radiate the life of God and show up and say, hey, can I just pray that God's love would show up in, in this space and that you would sense an overwhelming knowing that the goodness of God is present? R rather than trying to give our uneducated reasons as to why we think it's happening, can we, can we just give the love of God? Because whatever the situation, friends, God is after something glorying, the radiance of Christ showing up in a way that meets someone's needs. Now, I'm about out of time, but I want to do my best to give a personal, pastoral, and scriptural frame of mind and working why I think some people don't experience healing this side of heaven. This is not a list that you're supposed to send to your friend who is still sick. And this is just, if we were sitting, it, and I'm telling you, it's not a short list. Have you ever tried to define something that's undefinable? Explain something that you don't really know, but you're trying to articulate the mystery behind it? This is my best attempt at that. Because I, I want us to recognize not that sickness needs to be glorified, but rather that Jesus wants his love to be present. In an attempt to help pastor us a little bit, can I, can I just say this? Here, here's some of my personal, pastoral, and scripturally framed thoughts. And I think healing doesn't occur sometimes. Because... Um, Healing doesn't occur all the time. I remember praying for my grandfather in the hospital after a brain aneurysm. Late January of 2004. Asking God to heal him miraculously. 
God healed him eternally instead. I remember asking God to heal this foster baby that we housed in our house. And she died before her six-month birthday, eight-month birthday, something. can't tell you the number of times I've prayed for people and sickness is still lingered. But I can also tell you the number of times I've prayed for people and people have been healed. In all these things, can I just tell you, I will always pray for people to be healed. I will always pray for people to be healed in faith that God is loving, kind, and is able and willing. Always. Always. Because that's what he tells us to do. That's what he tells us to do. Our job is to respond with the radiance of Christ. His job is to produce the results that bring about his glory and goodness in the ways that he's working beyond a single moment in time in life. I think sometimes people don't get healed because God is wanting to show his glory in a different way. I think sometimes people don't get healed because natural laws bring natural consequences even when we repent. You spend 20 years vaping, smoking cigarettes, and all of a sudden you got problems in your lungs. Those are consequences of natural realities. It's not doing that to punish you. blood pressure and cholesterol or sky high. There's some natural realities to things. It's not always the case, but there are. We live in a fallen world. Evil is still at work. And that stinks. Sometimes there's unbelief and a stronghold in someone's life, an agreement someone has made with a, a, a non-truth. And because their faith is in that non-truth, it's created a stronghold in that. I'll tell you one. Well, we always have high blood pressure in my family. It's just always, we anxiety, it runs in my family. Diabetes, it's just in my family line. We've, it's always, always, are, and you've made an agreement with something that God has said doesn't have to be the case. So your faith is in the history rather than the history maker. Sometimes we're unwilling to participate practically. Sometimes God is saying, change some things about your lifestyle. And you're like, no, I just want it miraculously, oh Lord. Sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't, guys. Sometimes we don't experience healing because we never asked. We only complained. James says that when you're sick, go to the elders and leaders of your church and ask them to lay hands on you and anointing you with oil. Every week we have elders and people that we've appointed as overseers, commission them, deputize them to pray and lay hands on the sick and lay hands on anybody with oil. And we've got oil over there. we got communion over there. we got people over there. But we'd rather just put it on Facebook and get good vibes and wishes rather than obeying the scripture that says laying hands on the sick. I can't lay hands on you through Facebook. But the family of God can lay hands on you when we gather together. Sometimes, just because we never asked. Sometimes, we didn't persevere. We prayed one time and 
just complain the rest. Sometimes there's a perseverance that's required and ongoing in the progressive nature of how God wants to heal. We just persevere that Jesus is who he says he is. And we without doubt and unwavering in our lives. Sometimes, sometimes we don't experience healing because our bodies are aged. And people are ready to move on to the next life. That's okay. You do realize that the moment you were born, you were born with an expiration date. That's okay. It's part of it. Sometimes there are unhealthy habits we don't want to change. There's demonic activity that needs to be addressed. Sometimes it's trauma that hasn't been healed or addressed. And the trauma in your soul is manifesting in your physical body. I think sometimes dealing with symptoms isn't as important as dealing with the root cause. John Wimber said it like this. It's more important to know what kind of person has the illness rather than what kind of illness has the person. Because sometimes our illnesses are born from things internal and we need to find inner healing and it produces something on the physical way. I've experienced that in my own life. And we always remember that we're praying for people, not issues. So we're praying in love and we're praying for, from love, out of love, rather than for results that we've defined. Healing is not a recipe nor a formula. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And often we prefer a recipe. Well, if I pray this way and I use the name of Jesus and I command the demon and I do this thing and I walk through a formula, I'm guaranteed a results wrong. I think many times God doesn't do what we expect him to do because he's telling us that we're not in control and we have control issues. Which means that we're more about the result than we are about loving the person. And all of the gifts of the Spirit always operate from a place of love. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He heals. He heals. And we pray, and we believe, and we put our faith in Jesus, not in results from our prayers, but in a person, in a man. And we recognize that we are ambassadors carrying his authority and empowerment in our world to bring about the love of God and the kingdom of God to the people that we meet. That's what we do. And that's what we believe. That Jesus still heals. Amen? Would you stand with me? bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here today and you would say, there is sickness, illness, disease in my body and I would like prayer, would you put your hand up? Put it up and put it up high. Okay. I am commissioning you, family of God. Keep your hand up, please. Please, please. I'm commissioning you, family of God, reminding you that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. So if you are a follower of Jesus and you know the spirit of God lives in you, would you open your eyes and look around and see whose hand is up? And would you place your hand on their shoulder or in their direction? I'm going to lead in prayer, but I want you to pray too. 
the Bible says lay hands on the sick. So we extend our hands and we lay our hands. Believing that the love of God would show up and the goodness of God would be seen. And we get to care for one another in this way today. Amen? I'm going to leave, but I want you to pray right where you're at. Can you do that? Ready? Let's all pray together. Go. Father, we thank you today that you are a healing God and that you do beyond what we would ever hope, dream, or imagine according to your power in us. And so, Father, we lay our hands on our brothers and sisters today, and we ask that your love would be manifested in their body, that they would experience your goodness, your wholeness, your work. Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do in this space and in this place? Lord, I thank you where there are inward things that need to be healed. Would you begin to reveal that? Where there are physical things that are really just physical, would you begin by your power and your spirit to do that? God, where somebody has gotten a diagnosis that is detrimental, we come against it right now and we speak the life and resurrection power of Jesus, quickening their physical and mortal body today. Father, where there are chronic ailments and generational realities, we speak life and the life of Christ over them right now. And we say in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ heals you today. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Right where you're at, let's turn our attention to the screen and let's declare blessing over one another. Can we do it today? Ready? Let's read it together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Hey, we love you. If you do want more prayer, our team, they are available to do that. Maybe there's something else going on. Man, we love that opportunity. You ready to take a next step? Talk to our team out there. We love you. Go in God's grace and peace today. I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub, faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.